Good morning, good morning. What an honour it is to spend time in God's presence. Oh, man. I've got a a short offering word that I want to share with you and... um, yeah, I really, I really believe that this is for some people this morning. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, but I really believe God wants to unlock some parts of people's hearts that they didn't realize they hadn't given over to Him yet. <laughs> and it's not just going to be through this this offering word, but let's strap in and and see what he has to say say to us. Um, one thing I was pondering on is there's so much uh, of this world that that we get influenced by. And uh, there is a lot of worldly wisdom that we don't realize that we're adopting above heavenly wisdom, that it contradicts. And quite often this worldly wisdom keeps us stuck in a mediocre Christian existence. Less than the fullness of what God has for us. These, these kind of questions are, you know, you would uh, relate to some of these at some point in, in your Christian walk and, and understand that there are many other Christians that may still be in that spot. When they come into church and, and you think, what is in this for me? What am I going to get out of this? What am I, or, or what's it going to cost me? What is this going to cost me? Sometimes we let that earthly wisdom get in the way of where God wants to take us and what he wants to do in us. Now, earthly wisdom says, uh, you know, around the offering, the earthly wisdom says that if I give, I will have less than when I started. That, that rings, rings true, right? Earthly wisdom says, if I give, then I don't have that anymore. Let's dive into the Word. Let's open to Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, we're going to start in 16. This is the, the situation that, the, uh, that Jesus uh, found when the, this young man came to him who had lots of money. And this young man came to Jesus. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, who is Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do? that I may have eternal life. He was, he was asking the wrong question right from the start. What will I do? What can I do to get eternal life? <laughs> his belief, he came with a belief in his own ability to do something to achieve everything that he needed in his own ability. And then Jesus said, so he, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? 
And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You notice there's, there's a few commandments that he didn't say in there. <laughs> like you, you shall have no other idols <laughs> and you shall love God first. You should put him first. But um, that's not what we're talking about this morning. He said, this uh, young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what still do I lack? His focus was on what he could do and himself. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect, wow, if you want to be perfect, this is what you have to do. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It goes on to say that when the young man had heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He went away sad because he thought that if he gave everything away, everything that he had, whether it was an inheritance or whether he had had earned it, uh, if he thought that if he gave everything away, then he would have less than what he started with. But what Jesus is leading him into is saying, if you want everything, give all that you have away. And put all of your trust, all of your dependence, have no other choice but me. And Jesus goes on to say that, uh, that well, I'll, I'll read it here. here. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and we know the disciples were like, what? What? Who then can be saved? <laughs> but what Jesus was saying was not give everything away so that you are now a poor man and remain a poor man. It's not what he was saying. Jesus said that perfection was the outcome that would be achieved when he gave everything away and followed him. That he would not be without after he gave everything away that he would achieve perfection through releasing all that he had trusted in and putting that trust in Jesus and following him. So many of us today are like this young man. We've given, we've given everything that we're comfortable in giving. But then there's, there's a little bit more. We're given everything that we're comfortable in giving. Now, I'm not saying because we're offering teaching that you need to go home and sell your house and your car and all of your things and give to the church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that the, to the price of following, following Christ and walking in the life that he died for us to walk in, it's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us everything. There's an, often an invisible line that we draw in our hearts that says everything in this little circle, everything this side of the line is, is, is mine. I'm, I'm comfortable in giving all of this to you, Lord, but this little bit, I'm going to hold on to that. 
that's a bit hard to give. You don't want to know why. That we don't experience what, we, what you see God doing in people in the scriptures or what, what you see in the book of Acts or what you see uh, other people's experience being. Quite often, it's because those people... They're not better. They're not better than you. They're not. They're not more spiritual than you. They're not. They're not cleverer. They're not born with something that you weren't born with. It's because they sold everything. It's because they didn't hold anything back from him. They trusted him with everything. Absolutely everything. And those questions that we, we ask ourselves, what's in it for me? The answer is everything. Everything. What am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of it? The answer is everything. You will get everything. What's gonna, but what's it going to cost me? It will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. But trust me, you really want to give everything. The price of giving some and, and not all of yourself, and I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about money. This is that that's just it is so insignificant in the kingdom of God, money. But it is the one often the one area that people struggle with <laughs> giving over. Because it is where a lot of trust is put in. But the, the cost of not giving everything, man, it's just a bland, unremarkable experience. And I would say that cost, that far outweighs the, what you receive when you give everything and live the way God has, has designed for you to live, to live in and walk in what he's got for you. Wow. Heaven's wisdom says that when you give, you get more than you gave. That's in Luke, Luke 6, 38. Given it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over more than you can receive. When you lose your life, you'll find it. <laughs> Heavenly wisdom is completely the opposite to earthly wisdom. Completely the opposite. So let's change our question of church and faith from what's in it for me to what's in me that I've yet to give. Search your heart. What is left? What is left, Lord? What have I not surrendered to you? What area of my life am I comfortable with keeping to myself? As I said, money's comparatively worthless in God's kingdom. It says, in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. It's, it's, to him, this is just, it's so worthless. <laughs> it's important to us. But we need to get some perspective. If you hang on so tightly and do not trust God with something that is just comparatively so worthless, then why would God trust you? with heavenly riches, the things that are truly valuable. What we see in, 
uh, God doing through people in the Word, what we see God doing through people around us. You, you hear things like, like uh, of David Hogan, who's raised more than 30 people from the dead. <laughs> 30? 30. That's more than what Jesus re- is recorded in Scripture, of how many people he raised from the dead. You, you hear of these almost unbelievable experiences in God. And the price, the price that that person paid to walk hand in hand with the Lord, to be able to say, man, that is my desire. To be able to say, I only do what I see the Father doing. (laughs) That is my heart's desire. That I would get to the place where I can say what Jesus said. I said, I only see I only do what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear him saying. The price of that, it's everything. Everything. So I hope that that is an encouragement and a foundation that we can spring from this morning. If you give with the uh, comparatively worthless <laughs> paper money, then you know where, where it goes. And online as well. But let's just pray before we move on. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible to be one with you. Father, that our place, Lord, that you have put us in you. And that you have put you in us, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would continue to lead us. Lead us step by step into a greater experience of you, Lord, that you would put a fire in our heart to know what it is, to see, to do what we see you doing, to say what we hear you saying. Lord, for those who have not heard your voice, Lord, for those who have not seen you leading them in in, in doing what they do every day, Lord, I pray that you you would unlock a part of their heart that's required. Lord, that you would lead them in how to trust you to experience just that. Father, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we understand that you can actually give us a heart that's willing to walk in your ways. So, Father, we're asking 
that you would work your work in our hearts to help us to be willing to trust you, to put our confidence in you and you alone. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to convey to your people what's on your heart this morning. And you'd cause our hearts to be receptive. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself this morning to your people? in a new way, in a special way, in a very personal way, Lord, that we know that we've had an encounter with you, that we'd have an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'd like to... Pick up with the verse that I finished with last week in Ephesians chapter 3. And in verse 17. We see that Paul's praying and he's saying that Christ should become such a reality in our experience, dwelling in our hearts, that we have this personal encounter, personal revelation of the indwelling spirit of Christ. Not just, yes, I know that, or yes, I've read that, but yes, I know him. To have that experiential knowledge of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit who hovered over this planet when it was in confusion and darkness. Sometimes that's the situation with people. They're in confusion and darkness and the Holy Spirit is hovering, is waiting He's waiting to hear from a heart that's longing to experience the reality of the person of Christ in a way that is 
different to what the traditional church mindset is. God is preparing his church for the supernatural. The church was birthed in the supernatural. What happened? How many churches do you go to today where you experience the supernatural presence of God? That is normal in God's church. The supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, if we're born again, have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us. When we come together as a corporate body, how much greater should that presence be? How much greater should we hunger for that corporate experience where I'm coming together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and we're going to experience the reality of the person of Jesus Christ in a greater measure because we all have something to contribute in this corporate gathering. When we come into the house to worship, that's the time we give to him. That's our honouring of him. It's not entertainment. It's our time to worship him. And when we come and present our hearts in worship to him, then he wants to respond and then fill us with more of himself through the experiential knowledge, through the tangible presence. Some people are afraid of the tangible presence of God. It has changed my life to have experiential knowledge of the touch of God where I know that I know God is so real and so undeniably true that nothing can ever change what I know that I know about him. Nobody can ever tell me Jesus Christ is not alive and very well in the house of God. This verse that Christ in verse 17 may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. If we're going to experience the depth of love that this scripture is talking about, we need to be established in the house of God. We need to be rooted and grounded in a place where there's a corporate gathering, not an individual just having their own experience by themselves with tele-church. That's very easy to do. Just you and Jesus. How many stones are rubbing together in that experience? How many lively stones are getting worked on by the power of the Holy Spirit in that experience? Sure, if that's all there is, God will move and God will do something for you. But when you have the opportunity to come together with other lively stones that God is preparing, that God is making into the beautiful building that's creating, 
this glorious temple of people that God is perfecting for the dwelling of his supernatural presence in a way that we have never, ever experienced before. But get ready because God is going to come into his house in a way that we have never experienced. We're going to see the presence of God. We're going to see angelic activity like never before. We are going to see the miraculous become so normal in the house of God. We're going to see the transforming power of the Spirit of God where people are changed simply by the presence of God. It won't be because of some dynamic preacher. It'll be because of the Holy Spirit's presence. But we've got to be rooted and grounded somewhere if we're going to experience this because the next part says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So rooted and grounded with all the saints. So you can comprehend. You'll never comprehend the, 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 the fullness of that corporate anointing if you're not rooted and grounded in the house of God. To comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And I mention to you here that we live in a three-dimensional world, but this is talking about a fourth dimension. There are four dimensions mentioned here, and the fourth dimension is the realm of the Spirit of God. That is coming into the house of God in a way that is going to be undeniable and it's going to be evident by the love. And it's a love that's not natural, three-dimensional human love. It's greater than that because it's a supernatural love of God. It's the expression of God that's come in another realm that we had not yet experienced. But it's that love that says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's the dimension of love that we're going to come into. And that is what's going to set the true church and distinguish the true church above every other organisation on the planet. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So it has to be supernatural. It's going to pass our natural understanding, our natural ability to comprehend because it's going to be by the dimension of the Holy Spirit that he's going to do a supernatural work and he's going to cause a corporate love that we will not be divided by anything that anybody says or does. Because it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people do. What matters is what God has said. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a verse! That's supernatural, but that's the word of God and God is going to have his way 
in his house and it's going to be through the people who understand the word, connect their faith with the word and determine I am rooted and grounded in the house of God with the saints that God has placed me with and I'm going to love them no matter what. And God's going to empower me with a supernatural ability to walk in the grace of God that is full of faith, full of forgiveness, full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of the power of the resurrected Christ. Can you imagine what a hoot it's going to be in the house of God? It's going to be so evident because the light in the house is going to be so bright. And it's going to be evident because out in the world it's going to be quite dark. And there are going to be many, 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 many people who have experienced the presence of God and they're going to recognise and come back to the house of God because the love of God is going to draw them into a realm of experiential knowledge that they have never, ever experienced in the world. And the church has a responsibility to walk in the truth. Can you just imagine for a moment the church filled with the love of Jesus? Filled with that love. The motivation and the manner of the church is love. Motivated by love. Walking in love. Talking in love, living in the realms of the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we're not affected by the things that the enemy tries to do, because we love. And because we love, we want to walk in the truth. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. And by keeping the word of God, we are empowered to love. You might think, well, how can I do that? Love Jesus. If you love him, that love will be naturally a part of your makeup. Love him. This is why Jesus said, if you don't love me more than you love your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your sons, or your daughters. If you don't love me more than that, 
You're not worthy of me. This love is supernatural. But if we will trust him and say, okay, Lord, show me this love, and he'll say to you, I've already shown you. Why do you think you're sitting here? So this love, where we recognise how much he has given for us, is it too much for us to return that love for one another? See, this is what's going to distinguish the true church. It's going to be the love. And it's not going to be a fake put on. It's going to be so genuine because we're rooted in the love of Christ. It's the word. See, when Jesus said, if you don't love me more than all these others, what's he talking about? How, Lord, you know I love you. What's the proof that we love Jesus? If you love me, you'll walk in my word. You'll do what I say. If you love me, Jesus is the word made flesh. So if you don't love the word and what Jesus says more than anything else, he says you're not worthy. Well, you can't walk in what I've got for you unless you're prepared to surrender all, what Caleb was saying. But if you're prepared to trust me, I'm not sure how far I can go with this because I've done that before. I've opened up my heart and I've been hurt. Can you see the tactics of the enemy to shut you down, to try to rob you of the experiential knowledge of that Water off the duck's back, love. Did you get that? It's that sort of love that stuff doesn't penetrate because the love of God is so strong and I'm putting the word first. When I hear anything else that's not in line with the word, I reject it. I will not receive it because I have received the love of Christ. And it says, by faith. What it's saying here, dwelling in your hearts through faith. So we have to believe the word and then say, okay, Lord, help me to walk in the truth. And that obedience, that willingness to walk in the truth is the effort that God's looking for on our part so that he can then infuse and help us to have a greater experience of the love of Christ and that's what will overflow. See, it's an overflowing of what God has put in us. It's not a, I have to put on. Although the scripture does say put on love, it's not a put on thing. It's genuine. It's real. It comes up from within, clothed with it from within. I, um, I, 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 several things I, I really want to share with the church 
but I'm trying to present it in the way the Holy Spirit wants it to come out so that you can receive the fullness of what he's saying. But we can't receive the fullness of this love if we're holding something against somebody. We'll never be able to walk in it if we've got this other issue we haven't dealt with. That's why we need to hear the word because the Holy Spirit gets on that word and he, he, he reminds us of things and as we're hearing the word. And he says, now, if you want this truth, then you've got to walk in that other truth I gave you. And that other truth was forgive. And when you learn to forgive and recognise how much I've forgiven, see, this is what it gets back to. Anyone who cannot forgive somebody has forgotten how much they've been forgiven. If you cannot forgive somebody, it's because you don't recognise how much you have been forgiven. But when you come to the point of recognising, Lord, you gave everything for me, it's not too much for me just to surrender and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. And we can't do it without his help. But together, there's such a, a bonding in the love fellowship of the Spirit of God. There's a strengthening for us. And that's why the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because it causes that growth, that bond of love where we all need to be Adjusted. Every one of us need to understand there are things that are not quite the way they should be. There's just a little more work that Jesus wants to do on that particular area. So I want to share something with you that... um, I had a dream. I had lots of dreams, as you know. But I had a very vivid dream two weeks ago. It was a God dream. God gave me this dream. I know that I know it was God. So I'm going to try and present it to you in a way that you'll you'll understand the heart of the Father and what the Holy Spirit wants you to receive as I share this, so please listen to this. In this dream, I was given a gift. And we've all been given a gift, haven't we? And I was given this gift and it was a a box, about so big, a wooden box or cardboard box, doesn't really matter, it was just a box. And... I was presented this gift and this box was full of tools. Now in the box when I was looking at it, there were several different types of tools. But the tools that really caught my attention, the the focus of the dream was I saw power tools a lot of 
power saws. You know, the electric saws, the power saws. There's many different types of power saws. Well, that's what I could see sort of on the top of this box. Power saws, power saws. And there were all sorts. Some I have never seen before. They look quite unique. But I knew that they were still a power saw. And there were also um, electric drills, power drills. They were the main focus of the tools that I was looking at. And there were a few others as well, a few other smaller ones, but my attention was mainly focused on the power tools. One other thing that I was given I don't quite understand was a, a big circular saw. and a big saw bench to go with it. Now, I haven't quite got that fully yet, but it'll come. But when I looked at these, uh, these tools, there's one thing I didn't understand. These tools were not new. I'd been given a gift of tools, but they weren't new. So I had a closer look. And I realised that these tools were very solid. They were well-made tools. They weren't plastic tools like you get today. They were metal. They were solid. They were, they were enduring. They were, they were better than what you get made today, really. They were, they were tough. They, they, they'd been weathered, but they were really good, solid tools. What you would call a very reliable tool. Now, I've got some tools that I've had since I was young. Very solid metal tools. Still really good. Now, the thing that I noticed, these power saws, they had all been refurbished, so they were looking brand new. But they were very, very sharp. They were so sharp that if you were to drop a hair on the blade, it would cut it. That's the impression. They were, that, and that's what my eyes were, were focusing on. And the scripture that was coming to me was about the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, that's something else I'll get into later about this dream, but not today, because that's another part of it. What I want you to focus on at the moment is these tools were very dependable, reliable, solid tools, completely refurbished and as sharp as. Then I heard these words while I'm holding the box, wondering why I'd been given these tools that weren't even new. But boy, I was impressed with it because I could see the quality. 
It was a quality that you don't see too much of today. And I heard these words very, very clearly. I am going to build a house. And I thought it was me saying that. Well, I'd been presented with this box of tools. I'm going to build a house. But later I realised I was just in agreement with what Jesus was saying. Because I realised he said, I'm going to build my house. And I was in full agreement, so much so that I actually thought it was me saying it. But it was him, I realised later on. Now this was a very vivid dream. So I have no trouble remembering it. And I was thinking about it later on in the morning and uh, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me very clearly. He said to me, these tools represent the people I have placed in this church to work with in the build. God is going to build his church. The foundation and distinguishing feature of his church is going to be love. The people are going to be very, very sharp. They've been prepared for the job he is going to do but there's a maturity in them. They're not brand new Christians. They've been around for a while, but they are reliable and they are good workers and God's going to build his church according to his plan and his pattern and he wants us to be part of it. You have a part to play in the build. So there's still more about that that I will discuss later on. But what I want you to understand at the moment is God is preparing you. He's called you. He's planted you. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in the love in this house and become a corporate body so solid, so sharp to the enemy's devices that we will not be deceived, we will not be caught in any of his other rumour campaigns or stuff, but we are going to be focused on Jesus Christ and him crucified and that's our message and we're going to allow him to build us and shape us and make us into the house he's preparing for his glory. So I want to read this verse to you again from the Passion Translation, Ephesians chapter 3, in light of what I have just said to you. And I'll start at verse 17. then by constantly using your faith 
the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered. You are a power tool. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word and the power of the spirit. That was the focus of the dream. They are power tools. They are tools that are formed by the word and the spirit. Then you will be empowered to discover that what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So your ministry to others is from the overflow of the love that God has poured into your heart and the more you purpose in your heart to walk in obedience to the truth, the greater the love expression is going to be that comes out of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Amplified Bible on that verse says, it's the richest measure of the divine presence and you'll become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to perfect the church, to grow the body of Christ, to present her, the bride, to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And she will be one with him in every way because he will not be yoked unequally to anything that's not united in love to the depth of his love, to the height of his love, to the breadth of his love, to the overwhelming realms of the dimensions of God's love. She will be perfect in the sight of God because she'll be walking in the truth of the Holy Spirit and the church will be all that God has said it will be. And it will be to the glory of God. And he's preparing her right now. But it's beyond our understanding. We can't comprehend. That's why we have to yield to the Holy Spirit so that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. They're the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our spirit, the eyes that operate in the realm of the fourth dimension, seeing the impossible. And when you see that the impossible is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you'll have the faith to walk in it and he'll do the work. 
if we simply do what he says. Walk in love. Colossians, I'll just read this to you. Colossians 3 and verse 14 says, Above all these things, we've been talking about a lot of other stuff, but above all of that, put on love. Passion. Love becomes the mark of maturity. Perfection. That's what's going to distinguish the church. Now, last week I was speaking a little bit and I mentioned the refrigerator rights. Like I said, I've never heard that experience until uh, that experience. It is an experience. I'd never heard that expression until it came out of my mouth a few weeks ago. But refrigerator rights, what does it mean? It means that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in your heart and be given the the right to go into every area of your heart. And the example I used was that if you have a visitor come to your house, you welcome them into your house, you may invite them into the lounge room or into the family room, but if that visitor just presumed to walk over to your refrigerator, open the refrigerator and help themselves, how would you feel about it? That's not what visitors do normally. But if you have a close friend who comes and you say, make yourself at home, help yourself to the fridge, that's an entirely different matter. That's when we're completely open and trusting and we have a confidence in the person and we're willing to let them do whatever they want in the house. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants refrigerator rights. He wants to be able to go to your refrigerator, which is pretty personal because that's where your food is. He wants to check out what you're eating because the food you eat is going to affect the way you live. There's a lot of stuff getting dished up out in the world and a lot of people are just... taking it all on board. It's going to get sorted out real quick when we allow the Holy Spirit to have refrigerator rights. When you're not offended, when he comes and says says something to you about an area of your heart that you haven't opened up to him yet, Let him have access to every area. Anyway, I was thinking about this last Sunday after I'd been preaching. The Holy Spirit reminded me of it. And while I'm thinking about that, now this doesn't happen very often after I've been preaching, but this happened last Sunday afternoon. I'm thinking about these refrigerator rights and the Holy Spirit said to me, by the truth. I thought, yeah, okay, I know that. By the truth. All right, Lord, I understand what you're saying, by the truth. So truth 
has a cost. There's a, a price that you pay for truth. To stand upon the truth, there's going to be a cost. The gospel's free, but it's going to cost you. And the Holy Spirit said to me, some people have received a food delivery they did not purchase. They didn't order it. They didn't ask for it. It just came to their house, free delivery. And they put it in their fridge. They took it on board. And he said to me, it's gone mouldy in the fridge. Get rid of it before it becomes offensive. Very, very clearly he said that to me. He said there are people in the church, and I'm not going to look at anybody, but he said there are people in the church who have received a free home delivery. They didn't ask for it. They didn't purchase it. It just came to them and they took it on board, put it in their fridge. But it's junk food and it's gone mouldy and you need to get rid of it before it becomes offensive. So you've got to deal with it. The Passion Translation says to embrace the truth and hold it close. Embrace the truth. I actually give my messages a bit of a title just so I know what they are. I call this embracing the glorious love of Jesus. Embracing the glorious truth. The love of Jesus. What do you do when you embrace somebody? It'd be good to have a husband and wife up here, wouldn't it? Can I have a husband? It's a bit tricky. Husbands are here and husbands are there and wives are there. Not that I'm looking at anybody, but (laughs) would you mind just standing where you are? I won't call you out the front. Would you please embrace your wife? That is a perfect example, without me having to say anything, that is absolutely perfect. Thank you. Why did you use both hands? (laughs) 
For those who have no idea what I'm doing, I'm filling up a glass of water now. Okay. Would you like to stand up again? Chris, would you hold the glass of water? Would you embrace your wife now? What's the focus, the wife or the glass of water? It is very difficult to embrace the love of Jesus if you're holding on to something else. We don't recognise sometimes we're holding on to something that's restricting our love, affection for Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit said to me that there's some things inside that need to be dealt with so the love of Jesus will be permeating every area of our experience. But if we don't love him more, and what is he? He is the Word. So if we don't walk in obedience to the Word more than somebody else's thought. See, sometimes people give you their offences and we take it on board and it affects our love walk. The Holy Spirit will remove it if we'll give him access. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than these? What's the these? It's everything else. Most likely the disciples, his friends that he was been with for so long. Most likely, but could have been anything that he was doing. Could be everything. Do you love me more than anything else? And Peter actually wrote in the scriptures, it's in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all things have fervent love for one another. Passion, above all constantly echo God's intense love. You're probably familiar with these verses, but I want to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 from the Passion. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. I want to read a scripture to you from Ephesians again, chapter 4, verse 21.
if you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. He has taught us. Sorry, he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man or the old man, the old self, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Sometimes we think we've got a right to hang on to some stuff or sometimes we think it sounds good and I've got a good reason, but it's a delusion because it's against the truth. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within. Transformed as you embrace. This is the same word used for the transformation of Jesus, the transforming power on the Mount of Transfiguration, the transforming, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind as you dump some of the old stuff and let him fill you with the word of God. Be transformed, be morphed. Metamorphosis process is happening. But here it says, as you embrace the glorious Christ, you will be transformed. So let the love for him become your absolute paramount priority and you will be transformed and you'll be able to walk in the overflow of his love. A lot of people are trying to do it the other way. But it's him first and then the love flows naturally. The glorious Christ within as your new life and life in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. It's a holiness of heart produced by the love that we have for him. And if we truly love him, then we can embrace him with both arms, both hands, and feel his embrace as we do that, but we have to let go of everything else. What will it cost you? Everything. And in return, you get the fullness of God overflowing, filled and flooded with God himself. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Lord, we need your help so much. But as we yield our hearts and willingness and say, come Holy Spirit, open up the eyes of my understanding in that realm of love, that dimension of love that only comes through you by the power of your resident spirit. Lord, as we purpose in our hearts to let you dwell within our hearts in every area, in every part of our lives and surrender everything to you, Lord, we're asking right now that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that you would wash us clean by the power of your word so that we can work it, walk in that true holiness, the work of the Holy Spirit 
being evident in our heart because we purpose to love you with all our heart. Thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing. Glory to God. We're going to have communion um, now, so if you haven't got your elements, there's a couple of little containers there. <coughs> Thank you. little bit to go on with there isn't there <laughs> glory to God sometimes we get these questions in our heart you know God how are you going to do that <laughs> how are you going to make us one like you are one that the world will will believe I've I, I just got a little um, if I can a little illustration because, you know, we're even in a in a, a small church that we are at at, at present. We're, we're not we're not in each other's lives through the through the through the week. Some of us, you know, we, we interact and all the rest of it. But you know, sometimes we don't come together until we come together. And you think, well, how how can how can that how can this love actually be? How can it be developed? So I just want to illustrate. Rhoda, can you stand there, please? Thank you. Chris, can you stand here? Mel, can you stand there? Oh, Beck, can you come up and stand here? I'm going to stand over here. Caleb, can you come and stand here? Now, I'm using Caleb because... Um, the way of the cross over at Easter, Caleb was Jesus. So just think of Caleb being Jesus, if you would. Okay. Now, he has played that part before. No, 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 that's right. Okay. Now, I, I could have picked, I could have picked anybody in the in the room and and randomly picked. So that's that's fine. Do we understand that we each have different experiences? Five people that are here. Um, we, we may interact a little bit, we may not, but we, we, we're different. We are different. And yet, who's our focus? Jesus. Jesus is our focus. So look at the distance apart we are. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a, you know, and, and we can have differences in, in, in our thinking and what we believe and all sorts of things. But if Jesus is our focus, just take a big step. Everyone take a big step. Then take another big step. Then take another big step. <laughs> then take another big step. <laughs> can you see... How far apart we are now? 
And how did that happen? Because we all took a step towards what should be our focus. And that's our saviour. Thank you, everybody. That's how it's going to happen. <laughs> and then it becomes a supernatural. Then it becomes a supernatural coming together. It's not worldly wisdom. You know, some of us will interact more than others and all of that, and that's, 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 that's natural. That's, that's what it is. But this is a supernatural love. And the only way we get that supernatural love is by walking step by step by step <laughs> closer to Jesus. And he is the one that enables all this to happen. He's the one. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He's the one who is building his church. He's the one. He's the focus. If he's not the focus, it's not his church. <laughs> Simple. If there's some other focus, it's not the true church, not his church. So can we stand? Oh. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you've enabled us to be here right now. And Lord, everything you do is with a purpose. And Lord, this cost you everything. <laughs> but, but Lord, you gained everyone, everyone that would open their heart to you and accept what you've done in this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your body was broken. It was broken for us. Lord, you did everything that was required on the cross to make us perfect before you. Body, soul, and spirit. Your body was broken so that we could receive healing. And if you believe that this morning, you can receive from the broken body of Jesus Christ right now. Right now. Hallelujah. Let's eat together. Mm. Hallelujah. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. The sin problem has been dealt with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Lord, as we come to you, Lord, as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's your promise. <laughs> and Lord, we accept that promise. Lord, we take hold of that promise. Hallelujah. And we thank you for your blood that cleanses us. Let's drink together. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be 
seated. What impact.